0: History of a Haunting is proud to be a sponsor of the 2022 Dirt Days Festival in Williamson, West Virginia. One of Cole Country's largest off-road festivals takes over the city of Williamson every year on the last weekend of April. Thousands of riders invade the valley to take in the Hatfield-McCoy trails and more. If you love mud, trail riding, and great times with friends, Dirt Days is for you. Some of the festival highlights for 2022
1: include over 500 miles of riding on the Hatfield-McCoy trail system, as well as additional trails in the Pike and Martin counties in Kentucky. There's going to be vendors, awesome local food, parade, mud pit, dirt drag racing,
0: live music, photography-based poker run, and a fireworks show. If you plan to attend, we recommend that you pre-register for Dirt Days From now until April 13th, registration is only $50, and it includes an official Dirt Days goodie bag, a festival t-shirt, and a festival decal, Hatfield-McCoy Trails event wristband, and that gives you access to every Hatfield-McCoy trail system, and it's only good for April 28th through May 1st. You get a 2022 Hatfield-McCoy Buffalo Mountain, Devil Ants, and Rock House trail maps, a Mud Pit Dirt Drag Area armband, three $5 food vouchers, official sponsor list, official event schedule, and various goodies from the sponsors, such as your very own HOAH koozie. That's
1: really the only reason that you guys need to be attending the event so that you can have our koozie. To register, go to visitcoalcountry.org and for more information, check out their official Facebook page, Dirt Days.
0: Let's get dirty.
1: I just had to check to see if my mic was muted or not. (laughs) I was like, what are you looking for? I was looking at the little red button. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to another successful episode of History of a Haunting, guys. I
0: am Carrie Hopper. (laughs) And I am Laura Ackerman. And we're off to a bang-up start as usual. As usual. Um, One of the new things that
1: you'll notice about History of a Haunting is that we have a couple of promos we're going to throw at you. The first one, of course, is dirt days we're super excited to promote that that is going to be the weekend of april 28th through may 1st so i am definitely going to be there laura is trying her darndest to be there uh so we certainly hope that you guys will you know come on out and do a little off road trail riding i really hope you come because i can't drive these things by myself
0: Basically. it sounds really really fun i really want to come i don't yeah. know if i'll be able to make it happen but yeah uh I'm, I'm, I'm trying
1: yeah it'll be a lot of fun it'll be a lot of fun it, so um sure. yeah yeah that's uh yeah that's going to be running um before every episode so for those of you who like to skip ahead that's rude you shouldn't it's good information um <laughs> but heads up there you Our go voices are like butter yeah yeah they are they I really mean, are come on i feel like i should start singing or something yeah maybe um yeah. oh maybe we should start singing <laughs> take me home country roads in the beginning of every episode
0: it's only fun when you're doing interpretive dance while i'm driving sticking your fucking hands in my face while yeah winding mountain road pin... in west virginia
1: <laughs> yeah down the blue ridge mountains those little like <laughs> little what are they called the, what are they pin hair turns what are they called uh, those little tight turns around the oh yeah yeah, but um switchbacks maybe but yeah anyway i like yeah. to do interpretive dance to that song while laura drives through the blue ridge mountains um anywho yeah so uh let's just go right into our evps of which i only have the one um I am going to be representing History of a Haunting and Southern Entities Paranormal uh, Friday, March 11th, uh, which is going to be next Friday from the time that you guys get this episode. We are doing a private overnight investigation of St. Albans sanitarium, sanatorium, sanatorium, sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, there's going to be, I think there's. 12 or 13 of us in this big-ass, crazy sanatorium building. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's I think it's 8.30 to 5.30 in the morning. So it's the first major investigation for the podcast and for Southern Entities Paranormal of 2022. And I'm going to be doing it all by my lonesome. Because you guys suck. You can do it. I can do it. Uh, I'm going with a bunch of our paranormal team friends. So we're we're really excited about that. We're gonna be doing solos and duos down in the bowling alley basement, which is where the most malevolent entity in the um entire sanatorium resides. So uh depending on how Wi-Fi is, as always, guys, and depending on how well I remember, I will do some Facebook lives for sure, for sure. Uh, but yeah. I'm excited. I'm anxious to get back out there and and start investigating again for this year now that the threat of driving through the Virginia and West Virginia landscape in the snow is minimal now. (laughs) There's (laughs) no way I was going to go through any of that in the snow because they get way more than, than we do here in North Carolina. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm, really looking forward to this I've been cooped up in my house and I finally get why Jennifer and all of them are like we're a second winner we want to go play outside I'm like okay it gets cold I get it I get it I love it but I'm anxious to go back to investigating so that's all I've got St. Albans coming up March 11th
0: exciting yeah what about you um I am well going to Guatemala in Ah, a few days yes to uh hopefully successfully summit a volcano that yeah. is taller than mount fuji so that's exciting <laughs> uh, i may have bitten off more than i can chew um yeah
1: again so we'll real sorry i couldn't make this
0: one yeah yeah you're real bummed out i'm hardcore um, out. really excited to explore antigua um yeah which is where i'm going to be staying uh, for the time that I'm there. And uh, it has a really Sorry. cool history, um, very intact colonial city. Cool. Um, lots of history, supposedly lots of ghosts too. So, neat. Um, I'll be doing some videos and stuff from there. Um, Are you going to try we'll to Facebook Live okay.
1: from the summit of the volcano? Have uh, cell I'm pretty service. sure the
0: cell service not going to be great at the so? top of the volcano. Nah, I'm gonna go with a no. Um, but you are gonna deliver some TikToks for us, right? Once you get back of down safely, I will. unless you die, yes, absolutely. Unless I die, yeah, unless I get sacrificed, but otherwise, we're okay. good. All right, well, then I
1: mean, I always have to have a host on deck, so HG, you're up. All right,
0: unless you're um, die. Oh, <laughs> we're going to uh, take a little family trip with um, my dad, and oh, his wife and Really? My niece too. We're gonna do the Grand Canyon Railroad. Oh, that'll be fun. Um, with Zane. So that's I'm I'm excited to go do that. That's gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun. Is he on spring break? Is that why all the? Trailers? Yes, he's ah. on spring break. Gotcha. So he's with uh, my ex for part of it, and then with me for the rest of it. That's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited.
1: I've always wanted to do that. Although Koi, well, Koy's always wanted to do, to do the Polar Express. Through mm-hmm. the Grand Canyon? He's wanted always wanted to do that, but now that he's older, he's like, Meh, Polar Express, Schmolar <laughs> Express, you know. Um, those darn twenty one year olds just don't want to do all the fun kids stuff they used to. So Right. Yeah. So you still have that to look well, forward to. Enjoy these times, Laura,
0: because then they're just kind I'll of a pain back. in the ass. Yeah. And I'll report back on how it is. I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. So cool. That'd be fun. Cool.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, we were supposed to... Um, we went to D.C. this past weekend. Uh, I had gotten my son did this big elaborate spy mission thing, scavenger hunt for his birthday, and got him tickets to the Spy Museum in D.C. And we, you know, trek up there. And it's not that far, but, you know, we go up there. And we got stuck on the I-95 because they're doing construction on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're widening the road or what they're fucking doing, but... We were stuck in traffic for so long that we missed our ticket time. And uh, our ticket time was 1145. At 1130, the GPS was like, you're not going to get there until like 1208. So I called the museum and I said, hey, this is what's going on. We're on our way, but we're stuck. And uh, how we still honor our tickets. And he's like, we give you a 30 minute grace period. And if you are beyond that, then you need to talk to ticketing and they'll see if they can fit you in at another time today or book you a new date so we actually hit dc at like 1207 and it's not far from when you like get into dc the problem mm. is the parking isn't great so you can either park in an underground parking lot of which you can't find the entrance or you could circle around the bridge And try to park on either side of the bridge that was completely full. So, essentially, we missed our ticket time. (laughs) And I called him back and I was like, we didn't make it. And so, he's like, unfortunately, all of our time slots are filled for the day. We were just coming out for the day because we left our dogs at home. And um, so, I said, all right, well, we'll reschedule it. So, we had to reschedule it because of, like, the investigations that we have going on and just other things going on in... My personal schedule, I was like, well, can we... We'll have to reschedule it for April. So we're going to go back in April. Um, (laughs) And instead, we spent the day at um, the Smithsonian. And not the Smithsonian... The Smithsonian has a ton of different museums. So we didn't spend the day at the one that has, like, Judy Garland slippers. That's the American History Museum. We went to the Natural History Museum where we got to see... um, the coolest? I, I mean, I thought it was cool. I'm a big fan of anatomy and, and stuff like that. So the bones in the mummies exhibit, I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool. Um, they had bones of every kind from humans to apes to just about every single kind of animal ever. I got to see the full skeleton of a bison. It was just really, really, really cool. There's leatherback turtles that are bigger than sea turtles, I guess. And I saw their skeleton. It was just a lot of fun. Plus, I got to see three um, mummies that were between 2,200 and 3,000 years old. One of them looked to be about... Mm -hmm. was about a four or five-year-old little boy. Um, Mm -hmm. So those were really, really cool. And then I... I did go to the gemstone exhibit where I sent Laura a bunch of pictures of the Hope Diamond. <laughs> she did indeed. I did. Yes. Yes. Yeah. C- you did covered we- that. Did you cover that in the Haunted Objects? Was that the one you covered the Hope Diamond? I didn't.
0: Or did Archie...
1: I covered the Cohen- else had
0: that one. I covered the Cohen Moore Diamond. Yes, I remember that. I don't remember we did talk about the curse of the hope diamond the hope diamond yeah Mm. i think it was Was it a whole episode just on the curse of the hope diamond no it was the the haunted
1: objects part two where we each three did a a curse Mm -hmm. no i think archie did that one because you did the painting or no thomas busby's soup chair you did
0: oh yeah yeah no he did the chair i did the painting it doesn't matter anyway it's on there somewhere go find it
1: (laughs) it maybe we didn't talk about the hope diamond I thought huh. we did. I thought we did. I know we did the uh, diamond, the koh diamond, because that's in the Queen Mother's Crown in Britain. Anywho. Yeah, maybe you and I just talked about it at length one night on the phone, and that's what
0: we're thinking of.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was... I yeah, so I sent her pictures of that, and then I also sent her... I said <laughs> they had... Um, this yellow diamond necklace and matching earrings and then this um green diamond brooch and um the name of the family that donated these jewels to the smithsonian was the hooker family so i took a picture of it and i said oh so lovely of you to donate your jewels to the smithsonian laura because it was like hooker's yellow diamond and hooker's emerald Mm. brooch and
0: yeah i was like you're an asshole
1: Look, but, you're still an asshole in DC. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> it doesn't change wherever you
1: go. You're yeah. consistent. But your name was all over those gems. So it was really mm-hmm. nice of you to donate them to the um, museum. It
0: was so, really nice of me.
1: Yeah, I just love the, you know, all the gemstones. And I got a really beautiful necklace that I don't have. It's amethyst, which is my birthstone. And so we had a great time. It was just a little, we call ourselves the Clampets because every road trip we take, gets fucked up in some kind of way we either get super lost or something happens and this was no different so um yeah it was another classic clamp road trip um so we
0: we have fun but anyway your stories are always hilarious about all the shit that happens jesus christ it was, it was always just
1: utterly ridiculous just yeah it's yeah, always always fucked yeah which i mean mm-hmm. and i'm not kidding like My mom is Clampett Travels on Instagram. I'm Carrie Clampett's (laughs) Adventures. Like, we play this up because this is literally exactly how every single one of our road trips goes. And um, I don't know if we've just precursed ourselves with that kind of just notion that it's going to be fucked up. So Mm -hmm. it just is. But literally everywhere we go, there's something... Something happens. Self-fulfilling prophecy there. Yes. Something happens that was not planned, and it's just one of those... We're getting really good at learning how to just kind of adjust and adapt to unforeseen circumstances on road trips. Learning how to roll with it. Roll with it, yeah. That's the theme. So, we have fun. We laugh. We had a great time. (laughs) I'm glad you had fun. Yeah, we had a great time. So, um, yeah, and we're going back in April, so... Uh, yeah, this time we're going to do Air and Space Museum and Spy Museum. So Koi's excited about that. And since it's technically his birthday gift, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Sounds fun, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that was it for the EVPs, even though it really was; those weren't really EVPs, but yeah. the listeners are used to us going off on tangents and stuff. Anyway, I hope that you don't die on a volcano. Thanks. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be a real bummer. That would be a real bummer. That would be a real bummer. Um, and I would start getting a complex because I'm really starting to go through the hosts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Anywho. Yeah. I certainly don't want to do that to you. No. So.
1: Please don't. I mean, think of me. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take, but we're going to a little bit of a safer place this time out in the Nevada desert. Ladies and gentlemen, today's episode we are talking about the Nevada State Prison. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> it's so spooky. It is it's haunted. <laughs> we should talk about that on
0: this show. <laughs> we might, we might want to touch on that. Just a, just a little bit. A little bit. Right. So my sources for the Nevada State Prison, which I've heard is haunted. Um, is org and wikipedia yay, love yay wikipedia. wikipedia donate five
1: dollars two dollars whatever you can i know if even if you don't have a podcast i know everybody
0: has looked something up on <laughs> wikipedia so help them out and donate money there you go yes um so nevada state prison is located in carson city nevada uh the prison was in continuous operation from its establishment in 1862 well, Until its closure in 2012. That was a long so, time. Yeah, 150 years, man. That was a really, really long
1: time. I was really surprised to find out it just closed in 2015, 12.
0: You yeah, it's 12, 2. Yeah. yeah. So this okay. actually <laughs> even predates Nevada as a, um, state? as a state. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for the history of this prison you have to go back like all the way to the founding of that area oh god so, okay yeah seriously so um abraham curry um, was one of the first and the most important settler of eagle valley which became the site of carson city okay. so he arrived in the valley in 1858 from utah and purchased the eagle ranch for 500 dollars and several mustang horses So on that property, he built the Warm Springs Hotel using the sandstone rock that was quarried on the site. In December of 1861, the first territorial legislature met at the hotel and created the Board of Prison Commissioners. This board was authorized to lease the property adjacent to Curry's Hotel, effective January 1st, 1862. This is the date (laughs) for the establishment of what was to become the Nevada State Prison curry was also appointed as the first territorial warden of the prison on that date wow okay right most people want to open up a gold mine but i mean these guys went straight for a prison all right sure just do the prison why not um the territorial legislature subsequently authorized the purchase of the 20 acres being used as a prison, including the quarry um so the purchase was to be effective on march 1st 1864 and curry got eighty thousand dollars for that wow (laughs) That's 28.4 million today, I believe. I think that's about, sounds about right. Okay. Um, So on October 31st, 1864, the territory of Nevada was admitted to the Union. Oh, oh, Um, really? mm Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought it was about the same age as Arizona, which was
0: 1912. Yeah, no. Hmm. The constitution of the state established the board of prison commissioners composed of the governor secretary of state and attorney general the lieutenant governor of the state was to act as the official warden in order um so that they could pay him right provide him oh, with a salary okay Makes so sense. yeah so the lieutenant governor um john crossman thus became the warden of the institution on march 4th 1865 and he stayed there until um 1867. Mm. but after he left on May 1st, 1867, a fire occurred at the prison oh. with a total loss of all buildings and all prison records. Uh, the buildings were brick and mortar structures covered with dried wooden shingles. Okay. Um, it's assumed that the inmates Here set the is. fire because they hated the housing. I so, mean, it's not again, supposed to be it, the Ritz. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, in 1870, another fire occurred and a major portion of the institution was again destroyed. Um, this is in- reminding me of something. Mm, lots um, of prisons from that time kind of have a tendency
1: to go up. A recent episode, you had said in your history reports, like it was like it, the location had caught fire like three times.
0: Mm, there's a bunch of places it seems like that we've covered that do that. That I don't uh, remember which one that was. Actually, I think it was probably a prison. That <laughs> sounds about right. right. Listeners, let us know yeah hopefully you guys pay more attention than we do hopefully um, mm. <laughs> right so yeah in 1870 another one occurred and that you know the major part of the institution was again destroyed right so this incident resulted in a construction project using cord stone on site and inmate labor to build substantial structures now
1: there it is inmate right.
0: labor that's
1: why the first one didn't work out well
0: <laughs> right um on September 17th of 1871 the most dramatic event in the history of the prison in the 19th century occurred. The captain of the guard was attacked while locking the inmates into their cells on a late Sunday afternoon. 29 inmates participated in this escape, acquiring guns from the armory, shooting Lieutenant Governor Frank Denver and several guards, killing two people. Oh my god. Uh, most yeah, most were recaptured. Two were hung by a posse. And the ringleader was never found. Really? Uh, convict. Yeah. So Convict Lake in Mono County, California, is where the escapees made their last stand. And now also where it got its name. Wow. Okay. Right. So um the next year, um, 1872, um, legislation resulted in a repeal of the portion of the constitution, which established the prison as a responsibility of the lieutenant governor. <laughs> um and a new warden was appointed, but Lieutenant Governor Denver, the guy that was just shot, refused to hand over the institution and refused to allow the governor or any other members of the prison board to enter the prison. Finally, the governor had to call out the militia and march. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So, confronted by 60 soldiers and a small artillery piece, Denver finally surrendered the institution. Like, he didn't want to fucking give it up. I would. You just shot me.
1: Take this, bitch. Right? I don't like, want it. I don't want
0: to stay so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you clearly don't have a handle on it. <laughs> like, um,
0: I'm sorry. I'm on the verge of sneezing. So if I, like, did okay, then... Sneeze it out. Okay. <laughs> Uh, The primary means of support for the prison during the 19th century was a shoe shop where inmates were engaged in the construction and sales of footwear. It's the sales part that throws me. A little. You go to get... Is this how Reebok started? Is this how Reebok (laughs) Reebok started? (laughs) Pretty sure. Pretty sure, Nike. Little known fact. Institution (laughs) obtained funds um, through the quarrying and dressing of sandstone. That was taken um from within the perimeter of the institution. Sure. Um, although it was not the major source of income, the quarry had the most profound and lasting effect on the face of Carson City. Public buildings and homes throughout Carson City reflect the prison as a source of the substantial construction material. So um yeah, just a lot of the public buildings in Carson City were made during this time and from wow the sandstone that they took. The out quarry of that was there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um in the late 1870s, inmates working to quarry the stone in the prison discovered the fossilized footprints of prehistoric creatures. <gasps> so, this is kind of cool. So, um, in 1882, the Carson City Sheriff communicated the discovery of the footprints to the California Academy of Science in San Francisco. The footprints were correctly identified as the Brea fauna of the P- Pliocene era. Sorry, Pliocene. I don't know any of this. Sorry, I'm like I'm gonna murder this we're gonna go
1: the only reason I know that is because of Ross on friends
0: nice like I took geography in college I don't remember um, but, <laughs> but were attributed to a previously unknown race of giant humans at that point the prints were estimated to be about two million years old Whoa. interpretations of the origin of these mysterious impressions fueled academic controversy and varied attribution from giant humans to giant sloths. In the end, the sloth advocates won out in 1917. This is the other... weirdest debate. It's super strange. And it came from a prison. Like, it's just it, like right? this. Yes. I just thought it was so this is so, so far out of left weird. field. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so other prints included mammoths, native horses, large birds, dire wolves, Mm-hmm. and the sloths, big tooth big tooth cats, elk and deer. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And I thought it was so interesting. Yeah, I like that. That's that's yeah. interesting. Just crazy stuff. I know. <laughs> um so this prison um later became the state designated facility for all hangings starting in 1903. Fun. Uh, yeah so in response to mormon preferences the nevada state legislature passed a statute in 1910 that became effective the following year allowing condemned prisoners to choose between execution by shooting or hanging
1: yeah i i did hear about this
0: yeah they're super pick um, your poison basically they're flexible (laughs) we're flexible (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) however you want to do it we're good with it yeah you're going so, to die one way or another. You, <laughs> right.
1: You tell us.
0: <laughs> so on May 14, 1913, Andriza Murkovich became the first and only inmate in Nevada to be executed by shooting. Um, so like firing warden, squad? <laughs> hmm mm, Okay. After Warden George W. Cowing was able to find five men to perform a firing squad, a shooting machine was built to carry out the execution. When the device arrived at the prison, Cowing no longer wanted to have any part of the execution, and he resigned. Wow, really? Yeah. Huh. Um,
1: Was the he, other guy still alive? Did he, did he want to take it back over?
0: Or... <laughs> Call Denver back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, in 1921, a bill authorizing the use of lethal gas had passed the Nevada State Legislature. Yeah. Condemner Gui John of the Hipsing Tong Criminal Society became the first person to be executed by this method in the United States. Hip Sing Tong was a like a a Chinese um, kind of mafia.
1: Oh, okay. okay.
0: Warden Dickerson sent his assistant Tom Pickett from Carson City to L.A. to personally pick up twenty pounds of lethal gas, which was contained in a mobile fumigating unit at a cost of seven hundred dollars. Four guards did not want to participate in the process and resigned. Prison officials first attempted to pump poison gas directly into Guy's cell while he was sleeping, but yeah. without success because the gas leaked from the cell. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. they, yeah.
1: I had heard that they were like, um, they were like bags of pellets that were would release the gas when they were like either wet or lit yeah, on fire to be or like whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so so they set up a makeshift gas chamber. Um, at the butcher shop of the prison um so they they strapped Key onto a chair in the chamber um a small window next to the wooden chair allowed witnesses to look inside attendees included news reporters public health officials and representative, representatives of the u.s army so on the morning of february 8 1924 the pump sprayed four pounds of hydrocyanic acid into the chamber um, because an electric heater failed, the chamber was 52 degrees instead of the ideal 75 degrees, <laughs> causing some of the acid to form a puddle on the floor. Uh, Gee's head appeared to nod up and down for six minutes before he succumbed to the gas. Oh God! The prison staff waited three hours for the remaining puddle um, of the gas to, or you know, of the liquid, then to turn the to gas to evaporate before they cleaned yeah. it up up the chamber before they would even go in there. Oh my God! So the warden reported to the governor that the, in his opinion, the use of the lethal gas was impractical and he thought firing squad was still the best way to go. (laughs) He's like, this is way too much fucking work. Yeah,
1: kind of. We don't really know what we're doing here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, they didn't agree. And 32 men were executed in Nevada's three gas chambers between 1924 and 1979. And wasn't this location the location
1: of the f- the first gas chamber? Did
0: you say that? Did I miss that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, obviously, they didn't know what the fuck they were doing.
1: Clearly. We'll just throw mm-hmm. this little bag into the cell with the open bars with the rest of them. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. Right. It'll just stay yeah, within the bars.
0: It'll be cool. Um, so on October 22nd, 1979, convicted murderer Jesse Bishop became the first person to be executed um, at the prison after there was... Um, after the state reinstated the death pen penalty yeah. following the lifting of a national moratorium on capital punishment. Um, Bishop was also the last prisoner to be executed by lethal gas by the state. Um, however, on December 6th of 1985, serial killer Carol Cole became the first inmate to be executed in Nevada by lethal injection. Ah, okay. So, and you know, there's always good escapes. So, <laughs> here's my favorite. love a good escape me too uh, please let me please let it be in a truck of roast beef yes please let them have been doing that it. <laughs> um you know, in 1923 leonard Fristo and two other inmates um accompanied warden tom slater in the warden's car on a trip to reno sure left unattended by the warden however Fristo walked away and was not heard from again until 1968. He was arrested in California after a domestic disturbance and returned when was returned to the prison. His escape lasted for forty five years. Jesus, dumbass. Yes, right. So this was the we longest escape, right, and recapture in U.S. history until two thousand fifteen. Um, in May of nineteen seventy, Fristo received a pardon and was released based upon the split vote of the pardon's board. So, wow. All right. Yeah. So. <laughs> this, oh, just give it to him. Look, he lived forty-five years, didn't do nothing. Right? Seriously, God. <laughs> so, um, after um the governor signed a bill into law that legalized gambling in the state, oh yeah, <laughs> um, the Nevada State Prison did the unthinkable and opened a casino for inmates. Um, it was nicknamed the Bullpen. No. and the casino was a s- success for three decades before Damn. it was eventually shut down. I just love this. It's so crazy. It's so so Nevada. It's so Nevada. (laughs) You know what they need? Gambling. Craps. (laughs) Right. So the casino operated in a windowless, solid rock room carved from natural sandstone surrounding the prison before it was moved to a larger sandstone building with walls sometime in the 1930s. During its 30-year operation, the casino offered traditional games such as blackjack, craps, and poker and the inmates ran the entire casino cool from hosting the games to organizing the security inmates also had their own currency in denominations of five cents ten cents 25 cents fifty a dollar and five dollars which were used at the casino and today the cons- the currency is considered a collector's item wow I bet yeah yeah it's like bronzes uh, there's um there's some pictures on them. Up. Uh, the casino was self-policed so the inmates who ran the games did not tolerate cheating or strong arming for fear of getting shut down by the warden yeah Um, a percentage of the take was deposited in the inmate welfare fund an act which added legitimacy to this immoral habit oh my god right throughout its throughout its 35 years various wardens either tolerated the casino or considered it a good distraction for the inmates um until 1967 um when a bill in the state legislature um, prohibited uh, prison gaming so then they had to close down the casino and the building which it was housed in was eventually demolished oh okay sad yeah um another unique um i don't know i guess feature of this prison um, is known as (laughs) is known as the cave Oh um, yeah. So the cave is located on the west side of the prison, in the sheer wall that marks the boundary of the s- the quarry. It is not a naturally occurring geologic feature; um, rather, it was dug sometime during the period when blocks were being cut from the quarry. Um, it appears in photos as early as 1880. Oh wow! So okay. it, yeah, it's a large area with an entrance and an exit. In the roof of the cave, there is a vent that reaches to the top of the quarry. The history of the cave is replete with rumors and legends. Uh, What is known for certain is that it was used as a crude form of solitary confinement and disciplinary segregation as late as 1961.
1: Damn.
0: Yeah. So in that year, C Block was completed there, and C Block became the housing for the most difficult inmates. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So a news article from that period um, quoted the wording as stating that the last inmate had been removed from the cave. Right? I mean, in the fucking 60s, they're putting people in caves. In
1: caves, yeah. And though, you know what? I have a picture, a couple of them. I don't know if they're right. We'll see. This prison kind of reminds me... There we go. So here's... Mm -hmm. Like, the outdoor, the yard. I mean, Mm -hmm. they just up and left when they closed it. You can see there's still, like, exercise equipment out there. But this prison very much reminds me of Yuma Territorial Prison in that it's out in the middle of the fucking desert. It just looks very barren and hot. And they also, Yuma Territorial also has a dark cell, which was built into the rock of the land. So, yeah. I mean, it, uh, on the surface, it sounds handy and, and great idea, but
0: to last that long is really kind of barbaric. It really is. Yeah. Um, so the decades of 1970 and 1980s um, were characterized by inmate violence and legal challenges to an integrated correction system. Yeah. The institution witnessed several murders of inmates, high-profile escapes, numerous hostage incidents Damn. and attacks on staff. Ugh. NSP also became troubled by racial tension and the rise of prison gangs. The operation of the prison became an issue in uh, the election for the governor in 1982, contributing to the defeat of the incumbent governor. Ultimately, control was regained by the hiring and influence of a town tamer, the former warden of San Quentin, George Sumner. Ooh, Bad. You don't uh, that guy there. Tanquin. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. So, in the 1980s, NSP was expanded onto the northeastern bluff. Um, these new housing units proved to be poorly designed, with obstructed lines of sight and minimal opportunity for inmate supervision. So these flaws, along with deterior- the deterioration of the original infrastructure, encroaching community, and the disordered perimeter, resulting in a phased closing of the institution. Uh-huh. The prison finally closed its doors in May eighteenth of twenty twelve. That's so and long. I know.
1: Hold on, I lost my voice. Oh, I can hear I'm you all. clicking.
0: I know I'm all where did you go? <laughs> 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 so, pretty, I'm messed up. so um they say that it was for budgetary reasons when they closed it. Sure, yeah that's um, what I wrote but too. It, Yeah. It seems like it was just a shit show really Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But now again, they're doing tours and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. And that's the history. And they're getting them. State prison. That was a great job. Wow. Oh, thanks.
1: I like it. I like it. I've never heard of a warden getting shot and being like, you're not taking this from me. This is my baby. <laughs> I want to stay here I forever. Here.
0: I love it here. I know, um, it's fr- it, there's some really just quirky shit in this one. Like, yeah. Yeah, just a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is fun because we do, we do cover a, like a decent amount of, of prisons on the show. And yeah, we it's do. always nice when there's something a little bit out of the ordinary. Yeah,
1: it's a good time.
0: Um, yeah,
1: it definitely does remind me of Yuma Territorial Prison. But again, it's just out in the middle of the Nevada desert. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. there's like... Moundsville and Brushy And they're all surrounded by This like lush green Mountainous landscape and these Two no It's almost like Yeah it's stone hell on Earth really Um, So we will get into The hauntings that uh, Happened as a result of all Of this fun activity at Nevada State Prison (laughs) After this we will be right back (laughs) If you've never heard of Reiki before or have heard of it but never tried it, now is your wonderful chance. Reiki is a Japanese complementary health approach using the goal of directing energy to help facilitate the person's own healing response.
0: It's based on the belief in an energy that supports the body's innate or natural healing abilities. It has been used to help with relaxation, anxiety, pain management, depression, focus, and so much more.
1: Erin Bush of Soul Waves Spiritual Wellness is a certified Reiki healer and brings her offerings to the listeners here at History of a Haunting.
0: Erin channels the universal life source energy that connects us all to work its magic to kickstart your body's innate ability to heal. With a free initial
1: consultation, a variety of options best suited for your personal needs and all done over Zoom, contact Erin at Soul Waves Spiritual Wellness today at SoulWavesEKB at gmail.com or call her at 904-438-4604.
0: SoulWave Spiritual Wellness. Take your power back and get started on your healing journey. That's SoulWavesEKB at gmail.com or by phone at 904-438-4604.
1: Okay, so I got my sources from onlyinyourstate.com, nevadamagazine.com, um, an article, one article written by both Meg Muller Mueller, and Eric Chachinero. I also got my stuff from hauntedjourneys.com, uh, mynews4.com, an article by Miles Bergewin, and then my favorite, Destination Fear. <laughs> So, um, real quick, I did want to show everybody the, um, the, so the last method of, whoops, damn it. The last, (laughs) the last method of, um, uh, execution that they used at the prison was lethal injection. And so the original bed and everything is still in the prison. And I believe this is it. Yep. There it is. Complete with like a viewing room like you can see the windows there like where Uh you know press and yeah press and the family and everybody like that would watch um the episode of destination fear did kind of show a little bit more of this room and it used to be part of the gas chamber so there is a valve there that is marked fresh air that they would then turn on to release all of the gas out of the air before they came in and removed the body. I thought that was just super creepy and, and haunting on a very different level. Um, I couldn't find a picture of it, but I was also rushing, so sorry guys. Uh, <laughs> so I thought that was pretty it is creepy. Super creepy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of um, brings it a little more home than just seeing a, you know a, a lethal injection bed there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, so anyway, when you go take a tour of the prison the it the tour does start with a look at the exterior of the building before going inside, so, like you said, it's got these uniform sandstone blocks, um mm-hmm. a lot of concrete that compose much of the courtyard um, and these things, these sandstone blocks, this concrete looks a little weird when it's compared with the natural stone walls and crude caves that you mentioned that are intermixed around the property which they and there's they still are they're not closed off they're still there like obviously people can't go in them but there's bars over them so it does it's a little off-putting um barbed wire and metal bars do cover most of the surfaces here in that one picture that i showed you basketball hoops and barbells still line the yard um and then, you know, of course, Chipping Concrete Foundation is is seen, especially around the prison's on-site casino that it used to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything looks kind of really bleak and just sort of um, weathered, just sitting mm-hmm. out in the desert unused for, you know, X amount of time. So once you get inside, and this really actually creeped me out more than the Look at the facade of the building. Um, once inside, the the dullness they tried to kind of offset it, and it, in the visiting room, it was designed to make children and family members feel comfortable while visiting inmates. Um, there is a mural that features fami- nope features familiar. <laughs> cartoon characters uh let me see if i've gotten this one correct it's always a game here i don't know (laughs) yes so it's got this vibrant mural featuring familiar cartoon characters in it you see the peanuts gang blues clues is there Uh, you've got um donald duck you've got mickey mouse you tigger you even have roger Rabbit. um (laughs) scooby-doo you know Uh, (laughs) Which apparently was This mural was painted by Oh my god Garfield's on there I just noticed it Um, (laughs) This was painted by One of the most notorious Serial killers in Nevada's history That was housed there Unfortunately the article didn't state who that was So Maybe take that with a grain of salt Maybe that's thrown in for theatrical effect When you take a tour It works as far as I'm concerned the idea that I wonder that, if it was
0: Carol Cole
1: I don't know it might have been it might have mm-hmm.
0: been um, he's pretty nasty
1: yeah Yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh, I thought that was really interesting that this like because it, it's a good painting like they do look like the characters especially the Charlie, Charlie Brown characters but the idea that it was painted by a notorious cel- serial killer I mean not that you know I guess they can't be artists or whatever but still it just the bright Cheerfulness of it is doesn't jive with that source idea. Yeah, yeah, Our that kids, idea. Like, yeah, uh... hate it. Don't love it. <clears throat> so, the very first paranormal investigation of Nevada State Prison was actually conducted in 2015 by the Northern Nevada Ghost Hunters. Um, one of the senior reporters for KOLO 8 News in Carson City tagged along with the group on their investigation and the guy ed pierce describes himself as a skeptic but he does admit that he saw an unexplained figure appearing in the window of a door that leads to the prison yard however at this point there was nobody else in the prison they were just arriving you know it's an abandoned prison there was nobody else there so he did have an experience that he just can't explain which i thought was really cool so he did keep an open mind Throughout the rest of his tour, um, there wasn't a whole lot else that might have swayed him one way or the other on the belief in the paranormal, but um, there was another group called Empathetic Paranormal that investigated there a year later in 2016. They focused primarily on the kitchen, the intake room, and the main cell block. One investigator, um, after the end of a EVP session, thanked the spirits. And, um, for, you know, just thank them for talking with them and, and what have you. And later on found that they had captured, um, an EVP right after he thanked them saying, be careful, which the stuff that I've read, the spirits are primarily nice and cordial and will talk to you and interact and what have you. But there are a few that just don't love it at all. So I guess in the intake room, they also captured a mist, which I have captured mists in photographs before. They are highly unexplainable. Um, But there have been a couple of times where it's like, oh, you know what? It was really humid out that night. And this could be just a reflection of the, you know, the lens of the camera and what have you. But this mist seemed to fly upward and then split apart, which I thought yeah. was Really different and Mm -hmm. interesting Yeah weird Um, As well as a class A EVP right after That saying miss Get out Wow yeah Um, And then of course there's your, your Usual stuff bangs Whispers dark shadow figures So During an official paranormal Investigation what appeared to be A mist clouded one of the Cells where disembodied Legs were also seen and that, i remember that's fucking uh-huh just legs just legs and i remember the first time we um covered a location that had that archie and i were like absolutely fucking not yeah it's real that's real fucking weird yeah that just would be legs, very like- disconcerting to see just right. legs <laughs> what the fuck happened to the rest of you right. or do you not have enough if you don't have enough energy to fully manifest just don't at all Right, just, chill. just make a bed at
0: the top and come down and come down. Boy, not the bottom up.
1: There is at the Birdcage Theater in Tombstone, Arizona, there is a pair of um, disembodied legs that has been seen there wearing cowboy boots.
0: How oh, weird! Yeah, that's funny. I was just there. Yeah,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, god. Um <laughs> the mess hall and the kitchen have sustained much violent energy from the rioting days and this is one of the hot spots of spectral events. One time there was a digital recording that picked up a man that was like laughing in a really eerie creepy way. That would that to me is always much more terrifying than if you were to hear it in real time in the moment Mm -hmm. to hear something sort of sinister like a creepy laugh days hours days weeks even after the event when you're reviewing the footage that to me is really creepy
0: yeah yeah because especially because you don't
1: you, have to you go didn't back know to it moment. happened like, oh, yeah <laughs> yeah you had no idea it happened yeah for sure um the shower room is also active with the spirit of an inmate who was allegedly murdered there so there's a lot of activity that goes on there nothing great uh a lot of touching whispering um the sounds of wet footprints I, n- all of it is just bad <laughs> Gross. it's just bad um so I guess um, there you have to walk through this like car- courtyard to a row of cell blocks, and on the third floor of these cell blocks is an area where more than three jailed men were murdered when the prison was in operation. So at this particular spot, this particular this group played those music boxes. Have you ever seen them? They're like in the shape of coffins. And they're they're a, um, a sensor essentially, and if anything with any sort of electromagnetic field or what have you, temperature fluctuation, moves in front of the music blocks blocks no music box, it plays this music boxy creepy song. Have you ever seen okay. that? Mm Yeah. I've looked into getting one for Southern Entities, but they're like $400. I'm all, oh, ooh, that's fine. The REM pod is just fine. Uh, <laughs> the beeps are not necessarily melodic, but, you know, it, it's affordable. Um, mm-hmm. So apparently, they were doing like an EVP session, asking them questions. On the thermal monitor were two large figures that showed human like forms of energy just beyond this author's shoulders and reflected in the bars behind them, which I thought was interesting, a heat signature that you can, that is almost solid because you, but then reflected on the bars. I don't know. I was like, I need to see this picture, but of course there wasn't one that accompanied it, but that sounds kind of fascinating in and of itself. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, throughout the investigation As it went on This author started um, Feeling a sense of cold And then started getting a slight headache So There's you know There's that idea that they can phys- Make you physically ill So mm-hmm. maybe that's what was happening Now um, They you know They did sit for around For a while in the dark Visiting different cells And um, spirit boxes would frequently you know spit out relevant words to questions that they were asking um words that were completely innocuous to whatever radio station happened to be flying by at the time which i thought was really interesting um so then destination fear also did an episode on this location as everybody knows i love that show and Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen this episode i mean giving away some spoilers but not a whole whole lot uh they split into duos and chelsea and tanner were together They had gone to the women's ward And they were doing an EVP session For a really long time in like the main Outer area before it branched off into the Actual rows of cells And they had set a REM pod down In the doorway of one of the cells And they Mm -hmm. just got a vibe that they shouldn't be down This one specific hallway so they hung out In this communal area Um, They were down there for maybe an hour Close to an hour when they realized They weren't getting anything no No EVPs, no EMF No thermal, nothing So they decided to leave. As soon as they left, something moved in front of that REM pod and stood there. And it was kind of like at the Stanley Hotel when the REM pod Mm -hmm. would not stop going off. Right. All the little lights were lighting up. It was like that. Mm -hmm. So finally, Chelsea was like, if you want us to leave, then turn that off. Stop making that noise. Because it is a very grating noise. Oh, it's super annoying. It's super annoying. And on command, the REM pod shut off. Which really freaked them out because they felt like there was something not great down that block of cells to the point where they they didn't even want to go down there to investigate it because it just felt like we do not need to be in there. And then Mm -hmm. whatever was down there walked in front of that pod that was blocking that same door and it stayed there until she said, if you want us to leave, shut that off. And it did. And so they left. Um yeah it was it was really it was really interesting. The next place they went was to the death chamber and they were doing some EVP work um asking speaking to the men that had died in that room via gas or lethal injection and they caught an EVP that sounds very similarly to I'm not ready. And Ooh. yeah. I can't remember the question that they asked them, but they, I think what she asked was like, what did you feel in that moment? And then they reviewed the EVP recorder and it said, I'm not ready. So they're like, we need to stay here and keep doing EVP work. So they did. And they were like, what is your name? Did you die here? Were you, you know, did you die of, you know, lethal injection or, you know, they were asking those kind of pertinent questions in a situation like that. They reviewed it again and, um, it said something. They caught an EVP, something to the effect of, um, I am David, David, something. Two syllables. I Mm -hmm. am David, David, blah, blah. So they're like, what in the hell is that? So she looks up the list of inmates that had been executed at the prison. And she finds... That there's an inmate who was executed at the age of 19 his name was david blackwell so they played it again and it does sound like but again this could be matrixing but it does sound like i am david david blackwell and apparently what he had done was he was a robber he was a general you know miscreant or what have you Mm -hmm. and when the cops closed in on him he shot and killed two police officers and so he was convicted found guilty sentenced to death and then executed by um i don't remember if it was the gas chamber or lethal injection at the time but i thought that was really quite interesting it is yeah 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 it's it and very difficult to explain because it's clear that he's saying i am david david blah blah the Uh blah blah is up for interpretation but it's clear that he is saying i am david david whatever so I did find um, a couple of comments on a blog that Mm -hmm. I had included. One was from a man named Steve who worked at the prison from 2006 until it closed as a correctional officer and he says quote I am currently right next door at Warm Springs Correctional Center I I have personally heard and seen unexplained experiences the most recent was in the chow hall my partner and I received a report of the screen of one of the towers being found on the ground my sergeant had my partner and I go clear the prison and the grounds it was about 3 a.m. when we went into the chow hall after hearing noises and seeing shadows we went into the old walk-in freezer and saw nothing we checked all the doors." while entering there are no lights and no power to the prison using flashlights we made our way out as we were walking out we heard something walking toward us from an area we had just cleared we both drew our weapons and gave verbal commands to get on the ground but there was nothing and no one there We left to clear the cell house and then the investigations area above the warden's office. This area is down the hall from the execution chamber. While clearing this area, my flashlight stopped working. As we left the building, my flashlight was just fine and worked the entire rest of the night. I could go on and on about strange activities about this prison, along with almost everyone that has ever lived or worked there. Oh. Yeah. Um, That is pretty crazy. The next one was from an inmate, and he said, I was in the prison in 1971. I was inmate number 11198 for burglary. Um, I was young and stupid. I was actually sent in to clean the gas chamber. That's a horrible fucking job. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, As for the solitary confinement, I was told that they kept a man there for close to 40 years, and when they finally let him out when he hit daylight he it turned out he was blind he'd lost his vision just being in complete and utter darkness for decades Mm -hmm. um he also ended it which i thought was fascinating as for ghosts i never saw any but at the time ghosts were the least of my worries yeah i bet yeah for sure For sure. So that's really what I have on the hauntings and stuff like that of the Nevada State Prison. I did find a very interesting side note that we have yet to cover and has yet to be a thing on this show. The Spirit Realm Network, who we just promoted for the last several weeks, they did the live investigation of the 1910 jail in Globe, Arizona, with Rick McCallum and Dylan Rathman. Well, they did another live, like the one they did with Dylan and Rick, back in September 2021 for the world's largest ghost hunt, which is a day where all the paranormal teams come together, and on the same day, they investigate any paranormal location of their choice and they stream it live for viewers to watch. So they did that and this team specifically chose Nevada State Prison um, on their the team's website because teams can sell tickets to a paranormal investigation and they can like cap it at like 12 people or whatever mm-hmm. those 12 people buy the tickets and go with them on this world's largest ghost hunt. So on this team site was the following. Notice All attendees must adhere to the following rules to attend. Failure to do so will result in being asked to leave no refunds. Please note, this location is next to an active prison. No blue jeans are allowed, as this is part of the active prison's uniform. Also, no open-toe shoes and smoking is not permitted. But I thought that was really interesting. That, that is like it's kind of creepy it's really creepy like do not wear jeans because you could very well be mistaken for an inmate at this prison that's right next door that was p- potentially escaped like that's the way right. they look and, at you
0: right it's weird if you have to be that worried about it like how many people are fucking getting out or the prison that's next door that could be hiding in the prison that you are going to fucking look at no exactly <laughs> what if somebody snuck them in some ghosts. fucking
1: black leggings yes exactly mm. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Please note: no blue jeans are to be worn, as this is part of the active prison's uniform. Nope. I've never, and I, we've never um, covered a prison like that. That was right. The abandoned prison is prison is right next door to the new one, except for um, shit. There is one. There is one. Uh, maybe it's Ohio State Reformatory but that's a women's prison built so far away but there is a prison that we've covered that is abandoned that does do paranormal tours that has had happenings and i can't remember the name of it but you can't go and investigate the inmate graveyard because mm-hmm. it extends onto the property of the new prison so there are some like it but it's just very rare that we cover we cover ones that you know its replacement is literally yards away yeah, that's fucking weird.
0: Isn't that fucking weird? Mm-hmm. That's weird.
1: hella creepy. Yeah, yeah, hella creepy.
0: So anyway, guys. Oh, and um, the Curse of the Hope Diamond. Yeah. I think we did it as a Patreon-only episode last
1: Did week. we? I oh, okay. So. Okay, we'll have to take a look. All right. We'll have to take a look. Anyway, that's what I've got on the hauntings of Nevada State Prison. It sounds like a really interesting place. And because it closed fairly recently um i'm sure that there are a bazillion more investigations that need to be done on it so that we can kind of get a solid handle on on the activity that's that's there but i'm here for it i like this one this is a good one yeah i think it's super interesting yeah for sure there's some real funky history so really funky history yeah i wonder Mm -hmm. if denver haunts it i bet he does he might he didn't want to fucking leave the first time seriously he threw a Mm -hmm. fit Anyway, <laughs> that's all I got. You got anything else? That's it. All right, great. Well, let's let them know
0: where they can follow us. <laughs> all right, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at HOH Podcast. And on the TikTok at HOH Podcast, at HOH Carrie, and at HOH Co host Laura. Woohoo!
1: Alright guys, that's what we have. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Laura, we do have a couple of really great episode locations um, that have been written in by one of our Patreons. So um, when you get back from your vacation, let's sit down and figure out a time to fit these bad boys in because they sound really cool. Cool. I love it. Yeah. So that's that on that guys. Hope you enjoyed it and um hopefully you will tune in to facebook live maybe instagram live maybe i can do some stuff from st albans and maybe laura will you know tiktok her volcanic summit trip <laughs> i sure will good that'll <laughs> be on the forefront of your mind right instead of just not falling, it's not, gonna down be and dying. not dying on the way to the top but I know yeah. it. you're committed to this podcast i love it i really am Yeah, it's the best. Anyway, guys, we love you. Thank you so much. As always, stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. Bye. See you later. (laughs)